This week, the NFL's got a preseason problem, and Popeye's chicken sandwiches are selling out. We talk about it next. You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. You're listening to The A-Game. Each week, we bring together three of our finest minds to talk about what's new, what's now, and what's next in media, marketing, and technology. My name is Jim Ganser, VP of Media and Acquisition at Adcom. Joining me for this week's conversation, our trusted PR director, Joel Hammond. Hello, happy to be here. I love your intro. What's new, what's now, and that, that, that's, on like the, that? that's on the money. I thought it was kind of snappy. No, it's on the money. You like that? It's on the money. Well, Michael likes to have a little consistency sure. in the program. Sure. And, I mean, he's the producer. It's true. Who can rap and control the maestro. He's the <laughs> Speaking of the maestro, we've got a guest in the house. Our SVP and account director, Kevin Griffin, is joining the program this week. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Kevin, it is great to have you with us. Um, so this week, we're talking about two topics near and dear to my heart. We're talking about football and sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Football and food. So if you can't get behind football and sandwiches, we, we got no room for you. Kindly leave. Kindly leave. So uh, we, were, we were having a spirited conversation before we plugged in the mics. Uh, really interesting stuff going on. Um, just high level it. We are on the cusp of another NFL football season. We're all big fans of football. Kevin's got some great experience in his background. He's worked with um, Seattle as well as the Browns, so we can kind of tap into that. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about to get things started, to bring it back to advertising and marketing, is we got a bit of a, a twofold problem with regard to the NFL. Number one, um, it's kind of a copycat league. Typically, we see it with regard to the schemes, and um, but now we're getting to a point where like the most influential coaches, like Sean McVay, are actually flipping the script on how coaches are handling the preseason. So McVay kind of started this trend of sitting all of his starters. Now you're seeing the entire Chicago Bears starters, and then even some of their reserves are not playing. We're seeing quarterbacks like Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Yep. We're seeing um, Carson Wentz. We're seeing Phillip Rivers not taking a snap. All of a sudden, all these tickets that are being sold are with the promise of being able to catch maybe a drive, two drives. The third game of the preseason has always been at least a half with the starters. All of a sudden, it's leaving people scratching their heads, and it makes you wonder what is going to happen with NFL football. Kevin, love to get your take on, on what you're seeing currently, and, and what does it really mean for for local advertisers. Yeah, so thank you. Um, you know, having worked for the Seahawks and, and, and the Browns, uh, you know, these are conversations that we, we've had internally on the team side. But when you really think about it from what we do on a day to day basis and from an advertising standpoint, the real question is how can the NFL or how will the NFL really kind of preserve the value of, of their preseason uh, for their advertisers? And as we look at numbers and we'll throw a lot of numbers out at, at the audience here, uh, it's it, although. I know, Jim, you've got some 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 numbers about viewership being down, and yeah. maybe that is because of the perception that the, some of the best players are not playing. It's still such a huge audience. As an example, uh, the Steelers versus Titans uh, game that was a nationally televised preseason game uh, last week still had 6 million viewers. Yeah. And us in advertising, when we're talking and advising our clients, like, hey, how do you find mass audience? It's still live TV, right? Mm -hmm. And if we think about that, a 6 million 
people watching a preseason game in August. Uh, you compare that to an average NBA game, and I hate to you know compare apples and oranges, but an average regular season NBA game, which I consume a lot of, <laughs> that's about two million. Uh, and that's a nationally televised game, so we're talking about three X for a preseason game. So the question really is, if, if from an advertising standpoint, if there are changes to the NFL preseason, how do you preserve those the, that value? And conversely, if you're at, at at the league, you have to think about how could we reimagine what the preseason could look like. What does that entire training camp August through the beginning of the season look like? And thinking about all the constituents, and we'll get into those a little bit later to make sure that there's value for the fans, the players, uh, football operations, advertisers, everybody that needs to be brought to the table to have this conversation. Joel, what's what's your take on, on what you're seeing with the NFL right now? The numbers are insane. I mean, Kevin said, I mean, so we talked before, I mean, they're, they're certainly declining. And so there probably has to be some sort of course correction, uh, a minor course correction. But to Kevin's point, these are still audiences that you don't find. Huge. You don't find these audiences that much. Else. I think we read a, a tweet earlier from uh, a, a guy who locally who covers sports business that uh, the Browns local number, um, I can't remember which game it was, the third game probably, um, would have eclipsed all but two of the Cavs, Celtics, East Com- Eastern Conference finals games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... There, I think there's going to be a, a slight course correction as far as you know maybe it's a it's a small rate drop sure. or or whatever. But to Kevin's point, I mean you're still going to have trouble finding um, this type of audience anywhere else in your portfolio. Yeah, and, and you hear the rumors about hey, would the NFL get rid of two you know, preseason games and replace those maybe with regular season games, which would be interesting. I think about it in this way. Now, let me throw a couple numbers out first. The Saints rating for their first game. 52 share within the New Orleans, uh, the, the greater New Orleans market. Uh, the Chiefs had a 40, a 24% share. Seahawks 46% share. Even the Dolphins versus Jaguars, which again was a a weekend game, 35 million viewers. Right. So those are those are massive numbers. And and so to me, what that says is let's not think about it in terms of preserving value, but how do we take advantage of the demand? And we talk about this a lot with our clients and throughout our agency. You have to be able to find those insights to say, hey, where is the business going? And if you see these kind of numbers, it's not just gamblers, right? I mean, there's a demand for watching football at this time of the year. So how do, how can the league uh, take advantage of that? And, and at the local level, we didn't set the tone here. The preseason is actually, those rights are owned by the teams. And so these are the only televised games that the the 32 clubs actually own the television rights to locally. So it's a big part of how they go to market with their corporate partners, uh, how they engage with their fans, uh, how they drive revenue. Um, so, So the teams themselves have to be thinking about this in an interesting way. And for us, when we're working with local advertisers, we have to be thinking about this, uh, even from a regional standpoint, take, for example, if you are a, a, a brand in just the state of Ohio, and you might buy advertising, Jim, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Never. And, I would never do that. <laughs> so you buy some preseason advertising for the Bengals and the Browns and then overlap that they're in Columbus with their local affiliates in Columbus and maybe some other secondary markets. Well, if you if your footprint for your business is in Ohio, you just reach a heck of a lot of people yeah. in a very short period of time in a way that you can't do with any other kind of programming this time of year. Can I... Let me throw something out to you guys. Yeah. The, the The biggest issue with preseason football is that the fans who buy tickets, part of your season ticket package, it's the same price as it is for a regular season game. So that's been the biggest 
qualm that fans have had. From a team perspective then, knowing that these numbers on TV stay enormous, yeah. would it not make sense then to preserve this? You mentioned it's yeah. the only inventory yeah. that they, they control on their own. From the if I'm the Browns, maybe the league mandates yeah. this. Maybe the league does not allow this. But if 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 my fan base's biggest issue is that I am charged sixty dollars instead of what it's worth from an in person perspective, six dollars maybe, sure. isn't the TV revenue? And you know I don't know what the mm -hmm. but but it's it's almost like even if even if you break even, you know you're you're eliminating a point of contention among your fan base while also maintaining a revenue stream on TV that clearly there's interest in it. Yeah. So Joel, you just went upstream, right? As we have these conversations uh, at at. Uh, with the with the Browns, particularly, you know, we we had to think long and hard about what we want to do with the rights. So at, at at a team level, you're thinking, okay, how do you package the rights? Do you keep them yourselves and then you sell it your, yourself as a team? You sell all that inventory and really become media sellers and working with media buyers, or do you just give away your rights to a media partner and mm -hmm. let them do that work? Uh, but the, the the challenge there is you've got to do the analysis and understand where the real value is. And a lot of that does depend on where the team is. But you also brought up an interesting point, which is like, who are the folks that we have to think about from a brand standpoint and like a fan engagement standpoint? I would argue that um, as the as as football continues to grow, you can make the same argument with regular season, right? Because the television rights and the broadcast rights are so much more valuable because of scale then it would be then just selling out right a stadium. Yeah, so, sixty thousand people. Yeah. You know, your 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 growth potential there is is it's, cap. it's finite. That's right. Sure, it's cap. Good point. Yeah, it's cap. So there is a, there is certainly a balance there, and you gotta you know I don't envy anybody who has to bring all those constituents to the table. <laughs> don't don't forget right like the coaches and football operations and the players union they also have a, a say in, in in this as well. But again, for us at the local advertising agency you know we think about this in terms of hey this is a time for us to go grab large audiences to build a really comprehensive advertising campaign for our clients that are actually going to you know drive drive sales yeah i'm i'm gonna I'm, there's a couple really good points that i want to get back to um Let's but do it. deep down inside uh way back when i was knee high to a grasshopper i was a wee little media buyer mm. you know buying radio once upon a time so when I look at the numbers of what I'm seeing, and I'm I am not disputing the fact that the NFL is a juggernaut, and they are delivering a heck of a large audience when it comes to these preseason games. But there's a difference between a heck of a lot and more. Mm. There's a difference and growth and growth. Yeah, because I'll tell you what WKYC wants to charge more for the Cleveland Browns. You know I. That's what they want to do. The fact of the matter is not every market is Cleveland. Not every team is in the same position that the Browns are in. There is a national frenzy around the Cleveland Browns. And frankly, it's really fun being here right now. But when we're talking about, uh, you know, Arizona Cardinals, Miami. When we're talking Can't about the Miami that. Dolphins, the fact of the matter is, is we're seeing ratings drop in some of these cases and they've got a premium product and they want to hold on to the cost associated with that. So we get into a situation where, you know, you need to be able to demonstrate a little bit more value. So it's, it's becoming tough for people on my side of the shop because we got a premium product that they don't want to discount the price on it. Mm. But the fact of the matter is when we look at what's going on on the national broadcast for NBC Sunday Night Football last Sunday, ratings are down 14%. When we look at NFL Network broadcast year over year, 
for preseason. 23% lower viewership. But I think it really goes down to Kevin's point. This is a local product. This is a local product when we're talking about preseason, pre-season football. Game. The preseason game. Yeah. So there still is an, is an opportunity for advertisers. Um, however, when two or three teams start turning into 12 to 15 teams not playing players, yeah. people like me who love football, people like me who invest in Game Pass so I can watch the Bears you know, game over and over again and get like the all 22 views – we're not going to watch those. I'm not watching it right now because there's nothing to watch. And it's just something to, to, to kind of get into. And, and Chase Daniel doesn't do it for you. Is he still the I, Bears I backup? wish, I wish I could watch Chase. Oh, Daniel. It's like, the, that's, it's that's like, what's the, it's going like on his here. backup. It's like the backup. I wish backup. I mean, <laughs> sign me up. I would watch him all day, uh, but Kevin, you brought up fan engagement. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is really interesting. Sure. I'd love to get your take on because you kind of an expert with, with regard to fan engagement is, when you talk about the preseason game, is there a way, even if starters don't play anymore, how do you cater to not only local advertisers and those that have invested in you know, signage within the stadium, but the season ticket holders and make a better fan engagement for those particular games? What could you potentially do with preseason football to make it more fun for people to be there regardless of who's on the field? Yeah, I, you know, one of the, a really good adjacency is is what the NFL did five, six years ago. It's, it's gone so fast. Uh, and when you think about the NFL draft, and I remember growing up w- watching the NFL draft, it was kind of a, an, an event that took place at a hotel lobby. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you seems, remember those? Remember it was those? pretty plain. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. plain. And over the years, it continues to grow and grow and grow and evolve. But five years ago, the league made a real strategic decision and I, I remember having these conversations, why? And then, and then what we did was we, we started to move to draft around from city to city. Uh, we left Radio City Music Hall and, and uh, first, first draft on the road was in Chicago. You may, I don't know if you were still there, Jim, at the time. And, and viewership has grown, mm-hmm. uh, engagement with fans has grown to the point that you're having 300,000 fans travel to these locations and here in Cleveland will host the NFL draft, I believe in two years. If there's no work stoppage. Sure. Yeah. And wow. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think th- there's a lot of really smart people thinking about the question you just asked, Jim, which is like, OK, let's think about these things in a different way, which is like, how do we grow the pie for all the constituents fan in the center of that, but also bringing value to advertisers, our broadcast partners, our players, uh, the, the whole nine. And so I don't know what the preseason will look like. My recommendation would just be to, to get a whiteboard and let's call it what is our five to six week plan? And how do we engage our fans during training camp in a different way? They, the teams are now having uh, a lot of practices together, two teams together. Yeah. So they're, they're practicing. And so that means that a team is in a market, a visiting team is in a market for multiple days and then they play a preseason game. Well, I would argue uh, that you might get actually a lot more from going to that training camp practice where the Patriots and the Packers are actually practicing together for two days. And then maybe we get something out of the game, but what could you do during those two days as well? So just reimagining the whole thing and, and the NFL has a good track record of doing that with the NFL draft. Good point. Open mind. Good point. So Roger Goodell, I know you're listening. <laughs> uh, you know, just tweet at us yeah. at, at the A Game Podcast. You know, if you want us to do some whiteboarding, we can infuse some ideas. We've got some, we've got a lot of spirit. We've got some experience here with Kevin. So um, I think I think you're absolutely right, and that's an amazing example going back to the NFL draft because it really has become a, a spectacle. Yeah, and it's fun. 
And even the way that, that they handle the broadcast is, is different, which going back to advertisers, there's more money to be made there. Jim, Jim, can I yeah. just bring up one more point? Um, is a, is a part of this, and so Kevin is a former NFL employee. I'm a former employee of, an, of a major league baseball team. I think this happens in most big cities with pro football, pro baseball teams, unless it's like the Cardinal. You know, like St. Mm-hmm. Louis might be. A, there's a few exceptions, of course. Mm-hmm. But football is number one, is the A game in town, mm-hmm. right? The A game. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, nice I like that. Nice is, is, it, is a part of this, Jim, you know, the fact of the matter is the Browns, they would never say this publicly. No, nobody would ever say this publicly. It probably doesn't matter. You know, well, it, it doesn't matter. It probably doesn't matter if they make a preseason game. Um, I mean, even when the Browns were bad, I mean, Kevin experienced this. I mean, there, there's different levels of fan engagement, but even when the b- team was bad for yeah. a number of years, the engagement level is sky high. That doesn't hold up in every market, though. Like, I think in yeah. Cle- Cleveland, I mean, we're, it's different here. It's different, um, but that, that certainly wouldn't hold up in every market. But well, but would it would it would it, would it hold up in 80 percent of the markets? Mm. I, I, my co- my counterparts at other major uh, other major league baseball teams when we would have these conversations, it was like, oh, I know, yeah, you know, if you're not if you're not if you're not in first place or if you're not rolling in late July, like you know, you're in trouble. But but let me let me push back a little bit. Like we have had real conversations with our clients about advertising around preseason football, not just in Cleveland but in other markets as well. And if the team doesn't have that momentum, you know, even or they just have a, a bad aura around them, mm-hmm. we probably kind of don't look at the numbers, yeah. even though you're reaching these large audiences. Yep, you don't look at the numbers you don't the same be. way. Yeah, you just kind of don't. So sure. so I think I think the real juice is when you've got it all going like the Browns do right now. Yep really good momentum, good reputation, and they're still delivering these massive audiences. Um, and, and, and to your point earlier, like when you have a 45 or 50 or 60 share, like you just, no one else is watching anything except for you. So you have the attention of yep. that whole community. So that's what makes these preseason games so attractive. Although I do think there's a misperception that they're not, but from an advertising standpoint, I think they're highly attractive. Unless you're advertising in the fourth quarter. There you go. There you go. I mean, if you're, if you're watching all four quarters, yeah. God bless you. You got money on the line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not there's but, anything wrong with that. Yeah. Speaking of big audiences, mm. uh, one of the stories I wanted to dive into this week uh, and talk about delivering a Super Bowl caliber, um, you know, reach. Popeye's chicken. You know, I if we have, if we talked about it once, we've probably talked about it 25 times. The power of social media, what this could potentially do for brands. Popeye's chicken has gotten to a point where they've gone from launching a new chicken sandwich to be literally out of stock of chicken sandwiches. <laughs> and I mean, when I well, first, uh, supposedly, yeah, I know. I mean, take it with a grain of salt. Regardless, we went from a couple of opportunistic tweets, Joel, yep, to frankly seeing um, sales in store surge up. 68% on August 20th after the sandwich was released up to over 103% the next day. Next thing you know, you've got people like Melvin Gordon taking <laughs> snapshots of the drive through window saying we're out of chicken sandwiches. Say what you want about it. They've kind of capitalized on this moment. Is this completely, is this an, an example of being opportunistic or is this just something that is carefully crafted and planned? 
Joel, I know that you are going to play devil's advocate. So what do you think on this story? So the question is whether they, I, I think that they, like, is this, just, I think it's a mix. I think it's a mix. Okay. So here, let me read this tweet from a guy who's in the industry, in the social industry. I think he, he says he runs social for the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, he, he would say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind Cap. of a big, kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So August 12th, Popeye's launches its new chicken sandwich. It goes mostly unnoticed. Chick-fil-A panics. Here's, here's the danger. So, you know, when you, my background's in social. When you work in social, this is the risk. Do you poke the bear or do you not poke the bear? We did some pretty fun stuff in my prep in my past stop. The real risk is whether your, your foe or whatever you want to call it is ready for it. Mm -hmm. Right? So Chick-fil-A, whatever you want to call it, there's some, there's a mild amount of conversation on social media about Popeye's launching this sandwich. Chick-fil-A panics. Chick-fil-A um, tweets out uh, something about us being the original. Popeye's quote tweets it on a week later after launch, um, goes viral. Uh, two weeks later, 23 million in ad value from Popeye's um, activation, $0 ad spend. I mean, zero. Zero. Yes. Zero dollars. I mean... Probably, that's probably a national number. Surely yeah. they ran some mm -hmm. things low in local markets, but it, 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 I think they were. If I'm in Popeye's uh, national office and I see that my new chicken sandwich hasn't hasn't uh, uh, taken off the way I, I'm, I'm probably hoping for something like this to happen, right? So I don't think they planned this. I think they were up to. I think they were ready for it and opportunistic when something like this did happen. And uh, the power of it is crazy. I mean, so it speaks on both sides. You got to be ready to take advantage of, of something that presents itself. And if you're gonna put yourself out there, you there's a risk, there's a risk. You know, we went through, um, you know, like for instance, let me tell you a very quick story, okay? 2016, the Indians win 14 games in a row. After we lost our the 15th game in a row, Oakland, Oakland social media account, kind of like us, it was a little fun and risky and whatever. They had held the American League record for 20 straight wins. They tweeted at us, okay? So we burn them there. We, we tweeted back that, you know, they had just traded um, Josh Donaldson to Toronto, who helped beat the Indians that day. And then the next year, the Indians win 22 in a row, beat the A's record, and we've got that in our back pocket ready to go. So if you're going to come at somebody, you better be ready. You better be ready. And uh, I don't know if Chick-fil-A was. You know, I'm, I'm assuming that social media manager for Chick-fil-A um, had some tough conversations. So, so essentially what you're saying is um, – the Indians end up burning the uh, the A's a year later. Uh, yeah, I mean, I come we, on, man. We held that. We held on to that for fourteen months. <laughs> that is that is a personal beef. Well, listen, we, we that didn't. That is a personal. No, 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 no. no. It, that, that's not. We didn't hold on to it until <laughs> until we, the second streak. Until you're the second streak you're, comes you're, along. You're aware of it. If that space, yeah. if yeah. that second streak yeah. never comes along, we don't beat. Yeah. You know, that would never would have seen the light of day again. But yeah. that second streak comes, and all of a sudden you start thinking, all right, how can I activate around this? And all of a sudden, oh wait a second, this team really got after us last year. When we lost our 15th in a row, and oh, well, here we go. It, it, to me, you know, I, I'm fortunate to be able to work in the space in, <clears throat> with retail and, and food uh, with a number of clients. And, and so it's been really interesting to follow this. And, and as an African-American man, I'll tell you what was most interesting was to kind of watch black Twitter take off last weekend. And then shows I'm listening to on the radio and other markets, they're talking about this and seeing all these different influencers and seeing a drum line in uh, – in, in a, uh, a Popeye's chicken, I don't even know what location, and then a, seeing a, a, a quartet, a, a four-person quartet singing about these sandwiches. And then my daughter, my 14-year-old daughter, like, hey, Dad, we gotta go to Popeye's. I'm like, honey, you've not talked about Popeye's ever. What is happening, right? And so I'm, I'm now starting to follow, and, and there's this real interesting connection between the African-American audience and black Twitter, which is very real, real if, you've not, 
if you've not ever uh, experienced it. Oh yeah. And you see this movement. And then if you go to uh, places like uh, Google Trends and you look at just search, like just simply look at search from August 19th all the way to the 22nd, it's, it's incredible the amount of attention. And to your point, $23, $24 million of earned media. But that, I would, I would argue that community embraced it. And then after that community being the African-American community and black Twitter embraced it. And then they were ready to talk about lines, right? Like how often people were waiting in line, how long and showing this demand. But most importantly, they elevated their position as a brand is like, hey, we're not just, when I think about a chicken sandwich, I didn't think about anyone else, any other brand except for yeah. Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. Yeah, When absolutely. I thought about chicken there was no other person, no other, excuse me, brand in, 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 in mind for me. Now I'm thinking, okay, Popeyes has more than just a box of chicken. They actually have other other offerings. And so I, I think they did an incredible job from, from that standpoint. And my daughter, absolutely, our weekend plans are to do the taste test. Yeah. Uh, and we, we want to see what happens. It's just, it was an amazing confluence of factors. So not only do you have, you know, these two very well-known, or at least one to the point, and then you have, as Kevin mentioned, you've got Black Twitter. And the opponent, of course, yeah. is a, is a company so. who's... Yeah whose beliefs are very well known yep. and you know yeah. and so you've got those two th factors going against each other it was just it was, it's amazing that how many things had to come together for this thing to be and it's, it was just crazy these two different cultures merged yeah. together and had a really interesting conversation on social but then it also allowed we talked about fan engagement earlier it allowed us all the community all of us to participate so we could go we can we can do the taste test ourselves and then have an opinion and keep the conversation going in our own personal lives, which I think is really great. So, I'll let you know what happens after uh, Kenny and I eat the uh, the Chick Fil A and, and Popeyes chicken sandwiches. Boy, I cannot wait until a year from now when Chick Fil A gets the last laugh on Popeyes. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. Fourteen months, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. Popeyes. So, Jim, we're. Do you want to talk about the ad? So what I thought on the back end, and I, I'm going to be the devil's advocate guy. You might, Kevin might recognize me as a skeptic in the room, but so Popeye's all of a sudden is, is out of chicken. Okay. It's out of chicken. And, and what do they do? I thought this was brilliant. A, a, like a really nice wrap to the story. Of course, it's not over because when sure. they, when they get chicken, when they quote unquote get chicken yeah. back, it'll be a story again. Yeah. So A, you've got that. Like we're keeping it in the news cycle because we're out of, we're out of chicken. When we get chicken back, right. we're going to be in there again. And all of a sudden, um, Popeyes, um, to this point, as you mentioned, you know, a, a brand that is well known in certain circles, but certainly I, I wouldn't call it like a, not on the level of other mainstream fast food sure, chains. Sure. Now all of a sudden we're going to use this as a play, as a data play. Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we leverage this? Well, if you want to know when we get chicken back, download our app. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked on this show a million times. Burger King's done some crazy stuff with its app. You know, the thing with the McDonald's one dollar, you get a, a Whopper for 10 seconds, 10 cents or whatever. If you order within a mile of uh, McDonald's, it just seems like this industry, they're super creative. And I love this play by Popeyes. If you want to know, we're going to keep ourselves in the news cycle. When it comes back, we're going to be back, back in the news cycle. And oh, by the way, download our app. Tell us who you are. Let us send you more offers via the app. And after this frenzy with the with the chicken sandwich dies down, we're going to have you. Yeah, and, and beyond, and by the way, Burger King and and, uh, and Popeyes owned by the same company, right? Which is really interesting. The, over the last six months, if we think about like QSRs who have moved the needle and yeah. got people into their stores based on an offer, right? A, a deal slash offer slash menu item. You think about Burger King and and their Impossible Whopper. Yeah, moved people, right? It it, it and it changed some people's perceptions about uh, Burger King, and then they've done it again with with Popeye. So I think really interesting strategy. Obviously, great agency and really good thought. 
not only around their marketing, their brand positioning, but then execution, maybe fell off a little bit because the demand was so high for their chicken sandwiches, if that is real. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but really, really incredible. I'll tell you what it sounds like the one group that's kind of a loser here is uh, uh, the employees who had to make all those sandwiches. Uh, it sounds like they, they didn't have the right staff to take care of those employees. Mm. So hopefully they take care of them on the, on the back end because I hear it's they're working fun. 12 and 15 hour shifts. Oh, God. Yeah. But good for them, and, uh, and what a great story, and a lot of lessons for us all to learn and take away for the work we do with our other clients. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's the million-dollar question. They've taken a social media post. They turned it into you know, $23 million in media value, and they've created a movement to the point where Kevin's daughter has him going for a taste test this weekend. That's right. Like, there is actual activity that's going on around this. What does this company do with this opportunity right now? What do you do with this? You've created this huge surge. All of a sudden, you talk about people at work scrambling, working sure. long hours. Sure. Imagine what their agency is going through right now. Yeah. They're like, you got to come up with a solution. We didn't have anything. I mean, you, you couldn't have possibly had anything laid out from a foundational standpoint going into this. Unless, of course, Joel's right, and this whole thing is manufactured, much like the chicken at Popeye's. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Much love. I, I will try the sandwich. Yeah. I, first conversation is with your chicken suppliers, right? Same thing yeah. happened when you have the Impossible Burger come out, and now that you've created, you've, like we talk about all the time here, right? The, the A, the D. You know, yeah. You've, you've now created demand, and you've created momentum. So you Absolutely. better make sure that you have the, the supply chain in, in in order. So that's the first mm -hmm. conversation. The second one is I, I love Joel's point about the data play and 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 the potential that that Popeyes now has with downloading their app and, and all the data they've gotten, you know, the data they probably acquired through their uh, pending uh, credit card information and transactions. They now, and and they now are in the, the national consciousness, right? They yep. went from whatever level you might have put them to, now they're at the same level of Chick-fil-A. So at least in some people's minds. So I think the opportunities continue to grow and now they have to continue to deliver on operations and, and uh, build the momentum to steal regular market share, not just one time, but continue to steal market share uh, from others who are in that space. Yep. So, so now when you're in a situation and somebody tells, to you, tells you within an agency that we just don't have enough money to create awareness, you can not only point to the Oreos example that's been used yeah. and overused and overused in the Super Bowl, here we are in the middle of August, Popeye's chicken is actually selling out of chicken sandwiches. But is that also the power of influencer marketing? I'm, I'm, I'm curious from your point of view, your guys' point of view. It is the power of not only the channel of social media. I mean, a lot of people try to use social media and they just fall flat. Uh, I think it is being measured with who you mess it or the message that you're putting together and who you're kind of poking and going back to the poking the bear situation. Uh, there's just been a lot of banter back and forth between fast food chains, and it's become this safe place for brands to behave whatever way that they want to behave, because people don't hold them to the same standards as like, you know, other you know consumer packaged goods companies. One last point for me: so Wendy's has got a lot of publicity for yeah. its very clever Twitter account, which I think is, yeah. is funny. Okay, what Wendy's Twitter account, in my view, hasn't done is drive a ton of ROI. Mm. Okay. It's clever. It's gotten some publicity. Fine. 
um, I, I have a feeling those Wendy's folks might be um, sweating a little bit these days. Like, hey, we love your approach. It's funny. It, it's engaging. Like, you probably drive a few visits to the store because you've interacted with people. Look what Popeyes did. Mm-hmm. They drove. They drove actual. And that's always the question with with social, right? Like, are, what are you driving? Like, what's what do you what what's the benefit? Um, I think Popeyes can certainly point to it. I, I'm not sure Wendy's can, unless it's like a sentiment. You know, it's probably a sentiment. Sure, we've our sentiment is really good um, right now. But what what Wendy's hasn't done with their really clever Twitter account is Push. drive massive. You know, drive actual considerable or tangible ROI. And it's two different things, right? One is like I was gonna go eat anyway. So I had to pick. The other is like just actually creating new demand yeah. and bu- pushing people out the door who weren't yeah. even planning on eating it's new behavior. Sandwich. Yeah, That's like the now I'm thing going to, to go buy. Like you created demand, which is yeah. from nothing, which is incredible. So that speaks to the level of creativity and not just social, but influencer and a whole organ and PR and just a real organized communication strategy that they pulled off, it, which, which is uh, very, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, just last point I'll make on this, and this goes back to you know some of the work that, that Kevin does with, with Papa John's locally. When we talk about the consumer journey with regard to pizza, sometimes it's like right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you get out in front of that? This is a great example where you know the whole fact that you're gonna go do a taste test this weekend, you're making plans to eat. <laughs> And I don't even know where Papa John's, I mean, where, God, excuse me, edit that. I don't even know where uh, 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 Popeyes. Popeyes is. Yeah. So I mean, I've, I've got to actually look it up. I've got to do a search. I've got to go out of my way to find a Popeyes, yeah. which I never would have done in the, in the first place. Yeah. it's it, They've redefined ROI from return on investment to return on intelligence because mm. they are smart, my friends. They are very smart. And speaking of smart, if you want to get with the program, and I suggest that you do. You can find us at the Adcom Group um, Twitter handle. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. If you want to listen to the program, click to subscribe. However, you're listening right now, you can find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple. Um, let us know what you think. Um, once again, we talked about it earlier, but you can tweet at the Adcom Group or you could tweet at the A Game Podcast. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week where we get back at it. Go Bears. Oh, sorry, Joel.